0: Welcome to the how of business with your host, Henry Lopez, the podcast
1: that helps you start run and grow your small business. And now here is your host. Welcome to this episode of the how of business. This is Henry Lopez. My guest today is Matt Ramuzzi. Matt, welcome to the show.
0: Thank you for having me. I'm happy to be here.
1: Absolutely. This is going to be a good one. We've talked about bookkeeping before on the show, but this will be a slightly different focus. And it's such an important topic that I am always looking forward to bringing on guests who understand this and who help clients with it on a daily basis like Matt does. So if your financials are a mess, or perhaps you're one of the very few small business owners who are caught up on their bookkeeping and everything is up to date, or whether you're planning to start a business or you have an existing small business, Matt's going to share some valuable tips and advice on how to avoid some of the most common booking bookkeeping mistakes he has observed, and he's been doing this for over 20 years. You want to receive more information about the Howa business, including links to the show notes page, everything that we talk about on this episode, or also to schedule a free coaching consultation with me, just text the word biz, B-I-Z, to one. 996. So Matt Ramuzzi is the owner of Cap Forge Bookkeeping and More, a San Diego, California-based company he founded in 2000. He earned a, a BA and an MBA, as well as he has various bookkeeping certifications. He's also a QuickBooks Pro Advisor and an author. His books include QuickBooks Bookkeeping, The 10 Most Common Mistakes Everyone Makes and How to Fix Them, And the Amazon bestseller, well, both of them are Amazon bestsellers. Uh, Excuse me. The Amazon seller bookkeeping book is the name of the book. The Amazon's (laughs) there. And of course they can be found on Amazon. Matt has over 20 years of small business experience, and he has worked with thousands of business owners over the years, including dozens of Amazon business clients. CapForge offers a range of services For their business clients nationwide. So he has clients all over the country and they offer bookkeeping, taxes, payroll, consulting, and other services. Matt lives in Carlsbad, California. So once again, Matt Ramuzzi, welcome to the show.
0: Thank you. Thank you for having me. That was a fantastic introduction. I didn't even realize I did all that. (laughs) (laughs)
1: It's always nice to have somebody else tell us all of our accomplishments. you have got a lot of experience. So that's why I was excited to have you on the show. Uh, but uh, let's start at the beginning. I, in doing the research, you, I didn't quite get uh, what you were doing before you started your business. Tell us about that early life and career. What did you do?
0: Sure. So uh, I went, uh, I didn't really know what I wanted to do when I went to college. I just knew that I wanted to have my own business. So naturally, I got a degree in psychology. <laughs> <laughs> so i uh, go figure. I, I'm not sure exactly how that all came about, but uh, you know, equipped with a degree in psychology, it made natural sense that I got into managing restaurants right after college. Of course, yeah, of course, right. And and in you know, I didn't like it at the time, but in hindsight, it was really good experience learning how to manage people. And I realized now, you know, I had some very good mentors very early on who helped me learn a lot about how to manage employees and how to motivate them. Because in the restaurant business, you can't use pay as much of a motivator, right? You're sort of stuck, you know, paying, there's fairly low paying jobs and the people who tend to work in them, um, you know, are, are there for various reasons. But trying to get them to work cohesively as a team, do a great job, great, great Uh, customer service, you know, that was a great learning environment for me on how to manage people, even though at the time I didn't love what I was doing and I wasn't too excited about it. But in hindsight, I really learned a lot from some great mentors. But I wanted to, uh, you know, not kind of be stuck in that forever. I wanted really still, I was always hoping to be an entrepreneur. I just never knew what to start or how to do it. So that's what drove me to uh, go back to school and get my MBA. I figured, you know, I could learn about business from uh, people in the MBA program, maybe make some good connections and and kind of sort out what uh, I was really meant to be doing. And so I did. I learned quite a bit from that. I was... Um, I joined the Entrepreneur Club in the in the school there. I went to San Diego State University. Um, I was in their entrepreneurship program, the entrepreneurship track in the MBA program. And I learned a lot. I met a lot of great contacts. And subsequent to that, uh, getting out, I got hired into a firm that did consulting. And I specifically worked in the division that did consulting for small businesses. And so there I learned quite a bit more about uh Putting together business plans and doing financials and stuff for small businesses, and then, uh, but that was unfortunately for me right in the time of the dot com bust, right in Mm two thousand. And this company, this consulting company, like every other company at the time, thought, "Well, if we become a dot com, suddenly we're worth a hundred (laughs) times what we're worth today." So they became a dot com, took some investor money, and promptly blew up, uh, which led to me being laid off. Which was actually the best thing that ever happened to me because I had a little bit of money saved and I thought, well, maybe what I can do is there's still clients that need consulting help. And even though I've been laid off from my consulting job, maybe I could do consulting on my own just until I find another job. And, you know, here we are 20 years later, I still haven't found another job.
1: Interesting. So <laughs> it, it sounds, Matt, like it, it took that, that action, that, that event of getting laid off to finally push you to go do your own thing.
0: It did. And I mean, all along the way, up until that point, I had tried other things. I had tried some other little, you know, okay. people today call them side hustles. I tried this and that, and I'd never landed on anything that worked well enough that I could quit and do it. And in you know, hindsight now, knowing what I know now, I, I there's a hundred other things I could have done. I could have gotten out of where I was sooner. I could have started a business really without ever going to the MBA. Program. Yeah.
1: And, that, and that's where I was going because that I see this, it almost seems to me like you were using that as maybe an excuse or hiding behind it. Oh, maybe if I get the MBA, then I'll be ready. Maybe, you know, so do you feel like that there's some of that that was the case? Oh, a,
0: a hundred percent. I, it was, it was really, I, I was under the impression, I guess, like I think a lot of people are that I had there, I couldn't start a business unless I came up with some, you know, earth shattering, right. some brilliant, new,
1: huge idea,
0: right? It had to be something amazing. It couldn't just be sort of a regular business that other people were already doing that I could maybe also do. I, I was thinking that I had to come up with this amazing idea. And of course, when you put yourself under that kind of pressure, you know, no idea is going to stand up to that level of scrutiny. Or if you have an idea like that, it takes $10 million to do or something. So sure. I was just, down the wrong path, thinking the wrong way, and, and of course, when I look back now, I think, "Well, oh, boy, I was, you know, foolish to have waited so long and and put so many of my own sort of mental roadblocks in the way." But of course, you know, that's the wisdom you get with age.
1: Yeah, no doubt. Yeah and I always like to say that it's good it's so it's it's valuable to to talk about that in hindsight especially in sharing it with others that might be inspired but I think we're ready when we're ready and you simply the truth was you personally you weren't ready until this event happened and that made you ready I think
0: absolutely and I think the big thing that that I let myself try it more than I had tried it Before, because I had a little bit of a cushion and I had a little bit more confidence. That the time I spent in the consulting company, even though it was, you know, really not very long, it was only about six months. I developed the ability to speak well with small business owners, kind of understand their pain points and understand how the solutions that I could provide could help them. And really, that was the impetus for me to be able to go and do it on my own, because I'd had some practice doing it already. So I had a certain amount of self-confidence. I still, like, I think a lot of business owners always feel like, you know, I, I feel like a fraud, right? I'm trying to tell these people that they should pay me money to do this, but I'm just me and I'm sitting in my spare bedroom. I don't, all I've got is a business card. I've got nothing behind me. And they feel sort of like, I'm, I can't legitimately go out and sell the service because I'm just me. I'm just, they'll, they'll figure it out. They'll see right through me. That's right. But the reality is, if you've got a solution that'll help somebody, they will pay you for it. And they really don't care, you know, who you are, where you came from, or if you work for a big corporation, if you can solve their pain, that's what they're looking for. And I yeah. it took me a while too to realize that and understand that. But now again, it's, you know, seems obvious. But at the time, I was very nervous that people would say, Oh, who are you? You're just some guy trying to get me to give you a check. <laughs> Why would I do that?
1: No, yeah, no. Well said. I, I, I struggle with imposter syndrome. i, I haven't met too many people that don't. Uh, and even after doing it for a while, there are moments when you're like, who, who am I really? But you've articulated very well. And the reality is that you do have, you did have knowledge and experience to share. You had a point of view, you had a particular voice and, and you were able to find people who saw value in that. And that's all it takes.
0: Definitely. Yeah, that's, uh, that's what it comes down to. I think a lot of times we overthink, you know, what we need to bring to the table and what we have to offer and how prepared we have to be to answer a million questions. And it's really, you know, it's not, it doesn't have to be that complicated. It really, it really doesn't.
1: That's right. Why looking back, do you uh, suppose or know as to why you wanted to be a business owner from such an early age? What drove that in you?
0: You know that's an that's a good question. I I remember even back as early as middle school, I always would look at things and think, you know, oh, I wonder how much that cost them to make, and I, so there, I know what they're selling it for. I wonder how much it costs them. I wonder how many they sell in a week, or you know, where they get their products. I was always just sort of that was always my mindset, um, for better or worse. I was always kind of entrepreneurially minded, but I just never had the guts or the you know the drive to go and do it myself. But from a very early age, I remember always having those kinds of thoughts and I joke with people now, probably, you know, on the, on the way to my, uh, my deathbed, you know, I'll be wondering, well, I wonder how much the funeral service business does, (laughs) you know, how does that work? (laughs) It's just the way my
1: math on things, which is very interesting. (laughs) So is that, is that in part then why you shifted the focus or evolved the focus of cap Forge? into specifically this area of finances and bookkeeping.
0: Yeah, I've always been, you know, I guess I call it kind of being a business nerd. I've always been interested in how various things work. And, you know, what we see if you read business articles or you just sort of hear anecdotally have, oh, so and so makes a million dollars a year, or you know, that business is blowing up or that business is super profitable. But A lot of times when you kind of look behind the curtains, you find out actually the guy that seems glitzy and glammy, he's barely scraping by, right? Right. And the other business that looks boring is mud, they're killing it. That guy's actually, you know, the guy driving the beat up pickup and wearing the torn jeans, he's actually worth $10 million. And the guy standing in front of the private jet isn't sure how he's going to pay for dinner. So... (laughs) It's yeah. always been interesting to me to see kind of behind the curtains, how things really work, how it actually plays out and which businesses really are, are doing well and which ones are, are not maybe all that they appear.
1: Yeah, yeah, I get that. That's, that's, that's very, very interesting. And I agree with that completely. That's been my observation as well. All right, before we dive into it, I'm always curious, what, what does being a business owner, you you've been a business owner for over 20 years now, what does it do for you to be your own boss?
0: Uh, to me, I, I've always felt like you know whether I sink or swim, whether I succeed or fail, I want to feel like I had a hand in it, and not that you know other people made decisions for me that put me into a corner that I am now stuck in. So I don't claim by any means to always make the right decision or always be the smartest guy in the room. In fact, I know usually I'm not, but I like the idea that I have a say in how things turn out. And just to give you one quick example, when I was managing restaurants, we got an order down from on high that all locations, and I worked at, a, it was a national chain, all locations needed to have soup available at all time, hot soup. And you know, here I am in San Diego in July <laughs> and our air conditioning was breaking every couple of days and it was 85 degrees in the store. And they're telling me I need to have hot soup available all throughout the day, three different flavors. And by the way, my bonus is directly impacted by my food costs. So here they are on the one hand telling me I've got to make all this soup and keep it available and then I have to throw it out at the end of the day because of course nobody's ordering soup. Um, but my bonus is affected by the fact that I, you know, they're forcing me to do this. And of course, I was always the guy in the meetings that would raise my hand and say, But why are we doing this? It doesn't make any sense. And they would say, Shut up, Matt, you're right. you know, <laughs> you're, that's about your pay system. grade. Yeah, I guess just do what we tell you to do. <laughs> so I that just used to drive me nuts. And I thought I can't spend the next 40 years working, you know, somewhere where I'm not able to make those crazy decisions that I you know let's not sell soup in July you know in San Diego and Alaska maybe it makes sense or Minnesota I don't know but it doesn't make sense here so that more than anything else you know the financial benefits are great and there's other you know benefits too but to me that being able to make my own decisions for right or wrong uh, was really the the big driver for me
1: yeah, I love that. That resonates so much for me because that's, that was one of my drivers as well, that that ability to uh, to take it on, To first of all, to have the willingness to want to be the one that makes the decisions, but not being limited by anybody else about making those decisions. So thanks for sharing that. All right, we're going to dive into it. I, I, where we're going to focus a conversation is you have written a lot about uh, mistakes that people can make, and then you see them make with bookkeeping. In particular, you wrote, ai believe it was a blog post on your website, The Deadly Sins of Bookkeeping. So I want to dive into some of those, and then I've got some other related questions. But before I do so, just want to do a disclaimer, as I always do in these types of conversations. Uh, I'm not a CPA. I'm not a tax attorney, nor is Matt. And if we were, we're not your CPA or your tax attorney or your accountant or your bookkeeper. So what we're going to share today are. Tips, advice, things that Matt has done for some of his clients, things that he's observed, but everybody listening should go and seek their own accountant, their own CPA, their own bookkeeper, their own tax attorney, depending on your situation, and make sure that you get your specific advice and legal counsel. Having said that, let's dive into it. I, the, the, this article really caught my attention the, the deadly sins of bookkeeping. There's some of these I'm going to skim over and then some of them we'll, we'll, we'll spend a little bit more time on. We'll start with number one, because I see this one so often, especially with either in the early phases of launching a business or certainly right after you launch your business where they're still, you know, you've just come off of that weird phase of you're paying for some things on your own card, but now you've got a bank account for the business. And it's this topic of mixing personal and business expenses or what's also called commingling. So tell me about what you see there and maybe some ways to control that, minimize that, avoid that.
0: Sure. I mean, as you said, it's very common when you're just getting started, you're not even sure if what you're doing is going to work. You haven't taken the steps to set up a separate entity for the business yet. And so, it just naturally happens that it, that things for the business that you intend to use for the business are paid for out of personal bank accounts and personal credit cards. And I certainly wouldn't say that, you know, you absolutely can't do that. What I would say is, you know, from as early in the process as possible, make the point of trying to keep it separate. If you've got two credit cards, use one for the business, stop using it for personal things, and then use the other one just for personal things and try to keep those separate. Even if you don't go to the step of creating a separate business entity where you have a separate checking account, you can still go to your bank and get a separate checking account, put 500 bucks in that and then start using that to pay for business expenses. Uh, it's just going to make the whole process of setting this business up and getting it done correctly that much easier if we don't need to go through what are, in fact, personal accounts and try to pick out the various pieces that are for the business. For one, it's easy to miss things and or you forget about things or, oh yeah, that was quite a while back before I even really started, but I had these other expenses. Well, by not including them not only are you really figuring out how much it costs you to start the business but you're also potentially missing out on deductions on the mm-hmm. tax side and the other part of it is just on a on a sort of silly note but it does come up is that we don't as bookkeepers or accountants we don't particularly want to see what's in your personal account and you mm-hmm. might not want us to see right. what's in your personal account so you know keep those separate so we don't have to go through and ask uh, you know questions that may turn out to be kind of personal about, oh, does this go for the business or this, you know, ah, oh, I didn't want to talk about that. <laughs> so the sooner and better you can keep them separated, the easier it makes your life and the tax for, you know, for tax filing purposes as well.
1: Right. And and, and as, as you talked about as well in, in different articles, the whole commingling thing in the future can affect you in different ways. It can be what allows potentially in a case of liability or a lawsuit for somebody to potentially pierce your, your entity veil, your corporate veil, if they can prove, commingling can sometimes lead to proving that there is this isn't really a separate business entity, right?
0: Absolutely. If so, the commingling in the start of the business, you're likely still a sole proprietor, and so right. you don't have any separate legal uh, liable, liability protection. Once you get to the point of starting an LLC or an S-Corp, then at that point, commingling is no longer just a don't do it, it's an absolutely must not do it because these are separate legal entities which shield your personal assets from lawsuits or other claims in the event something happens with your business and somebody decides that you owe them money or they bring us a lawsuit. By having an LLC or an S-Corp, you generally can protect your personal assets But that protection goes right out the window if they discover that you've been treating your separate legal entities as personal piggy banks and been commingling those funds. So while it's not a good idea to mix business and personal as a sole proprietor, it is absolutely not a good idea in any way, shape or form to do it once you've created those separate legal entities. So really make sure that you have kept your business, your separate business legal, uh, operation separate from your personal finances, uh, for exactly that reason. You don't want to lose out on that liability protection because you, uh, you know, played fast and loose with your money.
1: Yeah. It's a big deal. Now, sometimes people say, well, listen, I'm having to put, I don't have any money in the business. I'm having to take it out of my personal money anyway. So why does it matter? And of course the process there should be, and you'll correct me if I'm missing anything that I should be transferring money into the business. So I'm adding more capital and then paying those bills out of the business so that that's perfectly legal, right? I can put in as much money into the business as I want to, and that gets part, that becomes part of my equity in the business, but I should not be writing a check sometimes out of my personal account and, and then vice versa, paying for some personal expense out of my business account. That's where you get yourself in trouble. Am I, am I on it correctly?
0: Absolutely. It feels like two steps and it feels like it's all your money, but you absolutely want to transfer funds from your personal account to your business account first, and then have the business pay for business expenses and vice versa. If you personally need money, then the business can transfer money from the business to your personal account, and then you pay those personal expenses from your personal account. And it is two steps instead of one, and it seems like at the end of the day, the same goal is accomplished, but it's by keeping careful track of those transfers back and forth that you keep that separate legal separation, and you're not just jumping directly from the business paying personal expenses or personally paying business expenses that then can get you in trouble. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Okay, another sin that you talk about, which I, I you know, you get all kinds of opinions on, and I think a lot of people are confused, is you say not keeping track of the right receipts. So, what are the types of receipts that I should be keeping? Can, do I need to keep them on paper? Can I keep them digitally? Talk to me about that, please. <laughs>
0: Sure, and this is a topic that you're right. There's generally a lot of confusion about, but the IRS has made very clear that they will accept credit card statements or bank statements as proof of purchases for business expenses. So that generally means that all those little paper printouts and receipts that you might get from purchases are not necessarily required to prove that you bought something if you bought it with a business credit card or you bought it with your business checking account. The place I suggest to people that they do keep track of receipts are where you get into the gray areas of expenses that could be business or could be personal. Now, you know, if you're a, a concrete contractor and you use your credit card or use your bank to, to uh, pay the supply house for a thousand cinder blocks, you know, the IRS is unlikely to say, oh, those might be personal cinder blocks, although <laughs> I suppose anything's possible. Right. But when you go out to eat, and you want to write that off as a business expense, that meal as a business expense, then it does help to keep that receipt and make a note at the top that says, you know, had lunch with Bob Smith, my accountant, to discuss taxes or had lunch with, uh, you know, Jane Johnson to discuss a, a possible customer relationship or something, because clearly everybody needs to eat every day and lots of people like to go out to eat. So, how do you say that this meal was for business and that meal was personal? Well, the extra bit of proof that the IRS would like to see from you is that receipt with the note that says who you met and what you talked about. It doesn't have to be a big novel or even more than a couple of words, But that's the difference between somebody presenting uh, to the IRS or getting a letter from the IRS or the state tax agencies, for that matter. And and they say, well, we see you've got $10,000 of meals uh, that you want to deduct here that you want credit for, uh, you know, but at the same time, you're a dentist. So are you really dining out that often? and, And why, you know, how do you justify that? Yeah. So if you want to be able to write those off, those are the receipts to keep. But a dentist buying dental supplies or a construction guy buying construction supplies, those are not the ones that they're most likely to say, well, we'd like to see a receipt for it.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. One of the things I do is I do try to keep in my in my smaller businesses all receipts only because it helps with the uh accounting and justification of that and remembering what it is that we spent on. So it's a it's a good practice, but I hear what you're saying. Now, can I digitize those receipts even the TNE receipts like for a meal and the digital copy suffices as proof or do I need to keep the paper receipt?
0: No, I mean you can certainly keep digital copies. Again, that that's going to be sufficient proof. The big the big test, the way to think of it is really from a common sense perspective. If somebody was to walk in and, and wanna audit your books, if they sit down with you and see that you've got computerized records or even paper records and you know they ask, okay, tell me about this event in August 15th of last year. And you're immediately able to pull out, whether it's a paper receipt or a bank statement or a credit card statement and say, well, you see here it is right here. This is the amount matches exactly what's on my books. That's why I put it there. You go through that three or four times, they see that you're organized, you've been thoughtful and conscientious about it. They're generally going to be saying, you know, okay, there's probably, you know, we understand what's going on here. And that's kind of the end of the interview. When they come in and they see you've got papers everywhere and you have (laughs) no idea, and every question they ask you, you say, well, gosh, hmm, I don't remember that. I don't have anything in it. Well, now they know they've found a gold mine and they're going to keep digging. So just by the fact of being organized and having things together and having a system for it, you're 95% of the way there to beating the audit yeah. um, because they know if you can pull out and answer their first few questions, then you can probably answer the rest of the questions and you probably you know, did did it right for the most part. So yeah. that tends to put uh, the kibosh on, on them doing a lot of deep digging. That makes sense.
1: This is Henry Lopez with a brief pause to share a special promotion and offer from Matt Ramuzzi and CapForge Forge Bookkeeping & Tax, our new affiliate partner. As Matt and I are discussing on this episode, accurate and timely bookkeeping and clean and up-to-date financials are critical to helping you run a successful and profitable business. And while as the owner, you never surrender the responsibility and accountability for your business financials, it does usually make sense to delegate and hire an expert to do the monthly bookkeeping. And to manage your bookkeeping and financials, you need a tool like QuickBooks. I've been using QuickBooks for my businesses for years. Matt has a special offer, which combines both of these things, the ongoing bookkeeping services you need to manage your business and the QuickBooks software. He has a limited time offer for us. You get three free months of QuickBooks Online when you sign up as a new bookkeeping client with Matt and CapForge Bookkeeping and Tax. To learn more, just visit the show notes page for this episode at thehowabusiness.com. On the show notes page, you'll find the special link and discount code to get the help you need with bookkeeping and three free months of QuickBooks online. All right, related to that, I wanna come back to to travel and expense T&E because that's one of those I think that a lot of times I think certainly uh, first time or, or maybe even experienced business owners don't realize that that's an expense type that if for no other reason gets categorized in its own bucket because we can't deduct 100% of that.
0: Correct. I mean, it's, you know, one of those things where you do have to eat every day, you do have to, you know, <laughs> drive to the office, you know, and, and sometimes if you go to Hawaii for a week, you know, but the conference was only two days. Uh, that doesn't mean you get the whole week for free. So you really have to be intentional about what you're trying to deduct and you have to have reasonable backup and it has to, you know, have a justification for why you're attempting to claim it. But, um, you know, you can't go to Hawaii for a week and attend a half an hour presentation and consider the whole thing uh, a (laughs) write-off. That just doesn't, it doesn't pass the smell test, as we like to say. It just doesn't, it doesn't make sense on the face of it. So trying to do it, it's you know, pretty obvious that you're pushing the limit way past where it should be.
1: Right, and and meals are not deducted at 100%. It's 50%, correct?
0: Right, because the the again, you you can't buy your own meal. The assumption is always that at least you know you're out with one person, and so you're eating because you have to eat because that's just a human requirement. You're paying for the other person's meal uh, because you're talking to them about a uh, you know. A potential business or an accounting question or whatever it is. And so that's the part that you're able to deduct because that's the business compensating that person for their time, but you don't get to deduct your own meal because you had to eat one way or the other. Yeah.
1: All right. Uh, another sin, uh, and we're not going to go through all of them. This is a great article. You guys really need to go to Matt's website to check it out. Uh, skipping bank re- reconciliations. But the reason that I find this one uh, most important and I want to get your thoughts on is I have always recommended that and used that as one of the ways that I as the owner keep close tabs as to where the money is going. Now, albeit it's after the fact, but I always felt like at least I can catch something fairly quickly that looks out of line if by not reconciling, at least reviewing that bank statement. Give me your thoughts on why people make so many mistakes regarding bank reconciliations.
0: Well, I think, you know, this day and age, a lot of people rely on the software. So, a lot of people come to us who are using QuickBooks or a similar software for, to do their accounting, and they go in and connect the bank. And so the bank feed is coming in at regular intervals, dropping transactions in, and then maybe they're coding them, maybe they're letting the software try and figure out what's what. But what happens inevitably is there are glitches in that feed, transactions get missed, or sometimes duplicated, or occasionally something that was supposed to come in as 321 comes in as 312. The longer you go without ever checking that record against the actual bank statement, the more that cumulative error builds up till you get to the point where, you know, things are just ridiculously off. And even if you're not using software or you're not using the data feed, you're doing some of it manually, not checking against the bank balance, it almost guarantees that we're all only human, right? We only can do the best we can do. You sometimes with that data entry, you manually make a mistake, a typo or something. If you're not checking against the source document, then you look at the balance, you have no idea if that's right or close or completely out of whack. By picking up the bank statement and just running your finger down the transactions and especially catching the big ones and the beginning balance and ending balance, you can immediately tell if this is, yep, this is accurate and my ending balance matches, great, or... It doesn't match. Is it off by a little? Is it off by a lot? And it it's a red flag to you as the owner to take a look and see what's going on. It doesn't take very long. And, and to your point, you don't have to do a complete full reconciliation. Just grab the bank statement and do a quick check. But not by not keeping an eye on that, it's very easy for things to get, you know, to slip by. And the more slips by, the bigger the error, the bigger the problem. By keeping a, 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 you know, by checking it and keeping uh, a hand in the bookkeeping, even if you're paying a bookkeeper and accountant to do it, you're much more tuned in as an owner, and you're much more likely to catch problems in the beginning phase before they've done much damage. So just it, it's, it's important from a, an accuracy standpoint of bookkeeping, but it, even just as an overview as the owner, I think it's important to be involved in the financial aspect of your business, just you know, to that extent, to be able to see problems before they get out of hand.
1: Yeah, yeah that makes sense. Okay, Matt, I, I want to shift a little bit here. I tend to recommend to people that when they're first starting a very small business, that they should probably do the bookkeeping and the accounting themselves, probably get some guidance, well, certainly get some guidance from your CPA your accountant or bookkeeper initially as to how you're going to set those things up. I'm starting to think that maybe that's not the greatest advice only because what I find happening then is for those people, unlike me, I, I like doing that kind of stuff, but most people don't. And so what I'm finding more and more is that then six months later, or a year into the business, they never went back and got it in order and now they've got a mess. What do you advise to people, especially if, you know, there's limited, limited funds here. So I got to deal with that. What are you advising people as they get started? Should they, Outsource bookkeeping from day one. What are your thoughts?
0: It's, you know, there really are two kinds of people when it comes to this stuff. A small percentage of people are like you or like me or like some of our clients um, that pay us just to help them and do a review. They really do like that. They're they're very meticulous. They're very detail-oriented and they will take the time to do it. In fact, sometimes they're doing it every single day Um, they are putting in their income, they're putting in their expenses and they're really watching the numbers. But I would say probably 90% of people just don't have that inclination, or even if they sort of would be interested, they just simply don't have the time. And I would always tell you, you know, it's a better use of your time to go out and make a sale for a 1000 bucks, than spend four hours struggling over trying to do bookkeeping, where you're not making a sale, and you're saving the, the 50 bucks that that bookkeeping project would have cost you. Yeah, so well,
1: well said, you, that, that's, and that's really the way you got to look at it, isn't it?
0: Yeah. And, you know, it's, Bookkeeping, people always like to say, well, it's not rocket science. Well, true, you know, <laughs> recording the income and the expenses is not rocket science. Most people can get that far, but doing the accounting correctly, you know, what goes where, what goes on the balance sheet versus the PL, you know, what can I depreciate, all those kinds of questions, you're not going to. It's a significant investment of time to learn how to do that correctly. And that's not really the business you're in. So I wouldn't recommend for most people to to set aside the time and the money it takes to try and figure all that out and make sure you're doing it right. Um, You know, you're better off most likely getting some help on that and concentrating on what your core business is and then having this done by someone who knows how to do it right and can do it for, you know, a reasonable price. You know, I understand in the very early days, money is tight. You know, this isn't something to spend on right out of the gate maybe, but you don't want to wait too long. As soon as I generally tell people, as soon as you have income, it's time to consider getting this, you know, while you're still in just the outlaying expenses part, hold off. But as soon as you start making sales and having some income, that is not too soon a time to start thinking about getting some help. And, you know, for a very small business, a very small project, it really shouldn't cost a lot. Um, you know, we're not talking about hundreds and hundreds of dollars here, but not doing it at all is going to come back and bite you.
1: I think <laughs> so. A guarantee. And, and, and <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think that's great advice. And I think what I'm seeing more and more also, Matt, as you're talking to is that now you're blind to that the navigation if you will that having accurate financials will do for you for and I can't even imagine how people are doing it if they have a business where cash flow is important for example or receivables it even exacerbates it more but when you don't have your finances in order you don't have that very powerful and important tool to measure and monitor where your business is going you're navigating blind absolutely
0: a lot of people i think are under the impression that bookkeeping is done just so you can pay your taxes and as you know as a result a lot of people Well, we talk to them, so I've always just had my CPA do the bookkeeping at the end of the year and then they tell me how much I owe, Mm -hmm. but absolutely not. Bookkeeping is a management tool that you should be using to see how the business is performing month to month and to set goals and metrics that you can use to help grow the business and improve operations and improve the profitability over time. If you're not using that tool, of course you can still be in business and you can still make money, but chances are you're not doing nearly as well as you could if you were actually monitoring. And I always you know, give the comparison to, like if you're training to run a race, you can just go out and run every day and never time yourself and never keep track of how far you run each day and you will probably get better. But if you go out and every day you set goals and you time yourself and you keep track of how far you run, you know, which, which of those two people do you think is going to do better when the race day comes, right? Yeah. It's the, the person keeping track.
1: That's right. Yeah. You've talked about this before you, which you just articulated again, you don't, you can't improve what you don't measure, right?
0: Absolutely. Yeah.
1: All right. I get asked a lot. How do I go about finding a bookkeeper or a CPA or an accountant? What are a couple of questions or advice or tips on how to find the right person for me?
0: So, a couple of things I always think are important to ask is one, you know, is the bookkeeper have familiarity with the kind of business that you have? You know, if they only do restaurants and you're a construction firm. You know they might not be a great fit for you um so it's always nice to find somebody who's got at least a few clients in a similar if not exactly the same business as you have for example if you know they're not they don't have any clients who do invoicing and you do invoicing you know, you don't wanna be paying them to learn how to do your books for something they're not familiar with. Or, you know, if you carry inventory and they don't have any inventory businesses, you know, you wanna make sure that they're a good fit from an experience level. And the other thing that I think is important and, and as a you know, business owner myself is important to me, um, I really like uh, somebody who can tell me exactly what it's gonna cost and they're charging a fixed fee. Uh, because that tells me they're working in my interest, right? If they tell me it's going to be 125 bucks a month or whatever it is, then I know what I'm going to get and I know what I'm going to pay. And if they're slower as a typer or faster or they have a better way to do it or a less efficient way, you know, that's, that's not my concern. I know what I'm getting. When people want to charge me by the hour, and then they can't tell me how many hours it's going to be and then every month it's a different amount of hours even though my business is virtually the same every month uh, to me that's a concern <laughs> i don't i don't want to you know always be wondering what i'm going to end up paying and now if there's you know, I, I discover mistakes or problems or things in the books that need to be fixed. Now, are you billing me to fix those things that I found? You know, it's so it's always one of those, um, what exactly am I getting and what am I paying for when you're paying somebody hourly for this service? So I think um, the model for, should be for most people is that you find a fixed fee person who can tell you what they're going to charge you ahead of time and then live with that. And they're not making things more complicated because they're incentivized by having the most hours and you're incentivized as the owner to have the most efficient outcome that gives you accurate books. So you don't want to be at odds with your incentives. You both want to be on the same page. Yeah. So finding someone with, with experience and finding somebody that can give you, you know, a, a very accurate hourly quote, if not a, you know, even better, a fixed price quote, I think really helps you get the most out of the service.
1: Yeah, good good tips there. How do I determine or how should I decide when I need a bookkeeper and when I need a CPA?
0: So that's a good question. And I think a lot of people, are, you know, rightly don't have a good understanding of the distinction. But a bookkeeper is somebody who keeps track of the financial activity of the business. Deposits and money coming in, versus payments and expenses that you make that go out? And then what's the difference between those two? Hopefully a positive number that's a profit. That's what a bookkeeper is good at doing is is making sure that's tracked correctly and all the income and expenses are going into the right categories. A CPA, generally speaking, although the the CPA license covers a lot of ground. When we're talking about CPA from a small business perspective, they're almost always focused on the tax filing side of things. They're helping you figure out how to reduce or minimize the amount you owe and then how to translate that into the various forms that they need to fill out, the 1040 if you're just a sole proprietor or an 1120 or a 1065 if you're an S-Corp or a partnership and so on, and the personal side of your tax return. So CPAs generally are focused on and tax related questions, whereas bookkeeping is focused on the monthly income and expenses. For most businesses, as soon as you get to any kind of decent size, you really need both. You need somebody to, to do the monthly income and expense reporting so you know where the business is at, and then you need a CPA or a tax person who can help you make sure that you're paying the least amount and planning for what you're going to owe so you don't get caught by surprise with a big
1: tax bill. All right, so if I hire you to be my bookkeeper on a monthly basis, you would then work with my CPA, a separate entity, separate person, who is going to do my tax filings and uh, give me advice for tax planning and so forth into the future. You would uh, pass over i guess that data or share because you use quickbooks share that data with my cpa is how that would work
0: right at our firm at capforge we have both sides we have bookkeeping and we have cpas however a lot of people uh, are just bookkeepers and then they'll work with your cpa and a lot of cpa firms generally don't offer bookkeeping or if they do bookkeeping the, the the catch is they charge the bookkeeping at CPA rates, and bookkeeping right. normally is a or, third, or some
1: kind of a markup, right? <laughs> right, some some
0: significantly higher amount than you'd pay if you just hired just the bookkeeping function. So having your CPA do your bookkeeping tends to be a fairly expensive way to go about
1: it. Okay, got it, understood. All right, let's talk about uh, you know we we are going to have a, a marketing relationship, which I'm excited about. And so for our listeners, tell us about the special for them if they want to learn more and take you up on your bookkeeping services.
0: Yeah, definitely. So what I would like to do for your audience, for anyone who's interested, and we'll uh, give you a special link to put up on your uh, website. For anyone who's listening and is interested in bookkeeping and hasn't, uh, you know, signed up somewhere yet, what we'd like to do is offer three free months of QuickBooks Online, which is the accounting program that we use. And honestly, it's, you know, 90% of the small businesses in the U.S. use QuickBooks for their bookkeeping. And uh, what they do for us, because we're uh, a big user of their service, they give us 50% off uh, the price of their products. So we pass that on to our clients, but for anybody who's interested now, we can even provide three free months of QuickBooks online for anyone who signs up with us uh, through this landing page for services. So to even save you some additional money, give you some additional benefit for somebody who needs bookkeeping and wants to also get it uh, at a good value.
1: Great stuff. So go to the search for this episode, there'll be a, a link there. And uh, that's where you will find that link then to this special offer that Matt is offering. So uh, simply go to the how business, you can search for Matt Ramozy. Uh, the episode number hasn't been aside, assigned quite yet, but that'll be obvious there and then just click on the link. So thanks for that offer, Matt.
0: No, Uh, thanks for having me.
1: Yeah, so while we're on that, what did we not touch on at a high level briefly here? Tell us, uh, summarize for us the services that you offer.
0: Sure. So CapForge um, is really built around bookkeeping. That is our bread and butter service for small businesses. We start with very low, affordable, fixed monthly rates, and then we can grow with your business. We have businesses from a startup size just getting rolling with their very first uh, product or service offering all the way up to our biggest clients is in, the, you know, the high eight figures of sales. Uh, so tens of millions of dollars is our, our largest client. Our sweet spot is, you know, a half a million to, to maybe maybe, maybe 5 million, but we're really, we're happy to work with anybody of any size. And even if I can't help you today, I'm happy to have a conversation with you, share what I can. If you need some business advice or general help, I'm happy to have that discussion. Um, Aside from the bookkeeping piece, we do also offer tax filing service. We can help out with payroll, sales tax filing, or even creating an entity if you're moving from that sole proprietor proprietor to LLC, or an S corp, I can talk to you about which one might be a good fit for your kind of business, your specific situation, and help you get that set up.
1: Great stuff. Great stuff. All right. In addition to your books, is there a book that uh, you would recommend?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think one of the best books I've read for small business owners is The E-Myth by Michael Gerber. Uh, he really talks about how you can take a business that can be overwhelming at times and just seem like there's so many things to do so much going on, and really Turn it into something that runs like a well oiled machine and lets the owner step back and work on the business instead of in the business. You know, sometimes, and I'm sure you've heard the same thing, you'll talk to a small business owner who says, you know, boy, I haven't taken a vacation in five years. And sometimes they they look at that as a sign, you know, a badge of, of honor or something. And I look at that and say, man, your business needs some help. You should be able to walk away from your business for a period of time and come back and not just find a big hole in the ground, right? Right. It should be able to run without you and not implode if you're out of town or can't answer the phone for a day or a week. And that's really what the e book talks about is how to take your business from how it might be today and turn it into something that can run in your absence or, or help the people that work with you and for you make decisions, even if you're not there to tell them what to do every single day. And that is an invaluable thing to have in your business. You don't want to be chained to your business any more than you want to be chained to a regular job. And this book talks about how to get from here to
1: there. Yeah, love it. Great recommendation. It's a must read for uh, aspiring business owners and existing business owners. All right, we'll wrap it up here. What is one thing you want us to take away from this conversation, particularly Matt, about these sins that we're hopefully going to avoid when it comes to bookkeeping?
0: I think the best thing I can say about bookkeeping is you want to have it, right? So, you know, even if it's not perfect, even if you're not as involved as you maybe want to be, um, having it is so much more important than anything else. It really is the, the system that tells you how your business is doing. Each and every month, and you know, again, if you're not keeping score, it's really hard to know how you're doing or if you're improving. So, regardless of where you get it or how you do it or if you do it yourself or not, I think just making sure that you're doing it is the first and most important step in uh, in making your business better overall.
1: And tell us where you want us to go to learn more about CapForge. Forge.
0: Sure, so uh, I think the website is a great place to start. We do have a blog with a lot of good information uh, and you can contact us directly from there. The website is capforge.com, C-A-P-F-O-R-G-E.com. We also do have uh, LinkedIn and Facebook and Instagram. Uh, You can find us under Capforge and all those places. But really, I'd say the website is the place to start.
1: Yeah, and my recommendation is after you've gone there and learned about all that he has to offer, and you like what you hear, come back to the show notes page for this episode at the How a Business, and that's where you can then click on the link to get that special offer from Matt for the three free months of QuickBooks Online. Absolutely. QuickBooks Online is what I use for all of our businesses as well. Matt, great conversation, lots of good takeaways, lots of good details, good, lots of good action items. Thanks for taking the time to be with me today.
0: Thank you for having me. I enjoyed it. And uh, I always, uh, like I said, I'm happy to talk to anybody who's got any questions Uh, this for me, talking about business is the most fun I get to have all day. So (laughs) that's what we love love to do, right? (laughs) Yes. I enjoyed it very much. Thank you. Right. You're welcome. Thanks for being with me.
1: This is Henry Lopez and thanks for listening to this episode of the Howa Business. My guest today again was Matt Ramuzzi. We release new episodes every Monday morning, You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and at our website, thehowofbusiness.com, or just text the word biz, B-I-Z, to 31996 to receive more information. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to The How of Business. For more information about our coaching programs, online courses, show notes pages,
0: links, and other resources, please visit thehowofbusiness.com.